this is Amita Switlow. Um, it's October the 12th. Uh, it's Thanksgiving Day. So happy Thanksgiving, Kelly. You also. Uh, this is Kelly Scarrow. And we're really lucky today because uh, I just interviewed Kwese. And Kelly, you went to pick him up at the airport yesterday. Um, and he has just come from Thailand. Um, and you were there. You were on assignment there for two years, isn't it? That's right. Two years based in Massat, which is right on the Thai-Burma border, about six kilometers right from the border, the Friendship Bridge. The Friendship Bridge. Yeah. Well, that's what they call it anyway. Yeah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you were there, and what were you doing there? I was a QSO VSO volunteer with uh, Peaceway Foundations, which is the official name for Burma Issues, which is the organization Kwese is from. Peaceway? Peaceway Foundation. Okay, I'm, you continue, and and I'll just write that down because I didn't know the partner organization, and that's really important to know because... Uh, yeah, Peaceway Foundation is the registered name mm -hmm. uh, with the Thai government okay. for the organization, but they were known prior to that and still are known um, broadly as Burma Issues. Burma Issues, okay. Mm -hmm. And this is, a, this is a thing that the world doesn't know very much about, what's happening in Burma. Do you do, like, now that you're back in mm -hmm. Canada and you say, I was in Burma, and probably most people say, did you have a good holiday? And they Actually, have no, they don't. They're quite, they know? They're quite fascinated okay. um, by what's going on out there and asked what I was doing. And my role was uh, advocacy and research advisor for Burma Issues. So although um, BI, which we all call them BI, mm -hmm. um, has been doing advocacy work for years, uh, what they were looking for was to be uh, more strategic in how they did it and to be able to advocate more effectively at a regional and international level. Okay. So what I was teaching them was really the fundamentals of advocacy, uh, identifying your core and target messages, your audiences, knowing your audiences and what they need to hear and how they need to hear it in order to persuade them to take the action that you want. Okay. What we're doing today is a podcast, and we're going to be uploading it onto the web. And, um, for example, in one month, I had over 11,000 downloads wow. of particular stories. So the cool thing about this is that they're able to communicate. People are really able to communicate in, it's, uh, in their own language, too, which would really be interesting for the Karen, because they're Karen are all over the world now, aren't they? They are. They are, yes. They've been, the, the Karen are um, they're the group that are predominant in the refugee camps along the border because most of the uh, ongoing uh, military activity is happening in northern Karen state. Although you do find people from all the ethnic groups in Burma present in the camps. And uh, the Throughout the border, um, various countries have um, made uh, it eligible to refugees to apply mm -hmm. uh, for resettlement to third countries. So oh. the United States, Norway, Australia, um, the UK, uh, a bit into Canada. Mm -hmm. And so you do see a, a lot of people taking up those opportunities. So it, it was somewhat frustrating. It's wonderful for them to have these opportunities. Somewhat frustrating as a volunteer and that people I had trained in my first year were gone by the second year from oh, Burma Issues as they yeah. had resettled. 
somewhere so, else. But it was, it's good because they can take that knowledge and those skills and those new experiences to their new countries, and it makes them more marketable, definitely. Um, they would have had strengthened their English just by working on a day-to-day -day basis with me, mm -hmm. but they'll have new knowledge in, in the way of communication skills, um, advocacy, writing, research, that makes them more marketable in a culture in, in which they would typically have entry-level jobs. So the Kelly Scarrow that left Canada two years ago, was she the same person that came back? No, not at all. Tell me about yeah. the new one. I'm not sure who she is yet. Okay. Uh, I've been back six months. That's all. Okay. That's it. Uh -huh. And uh, it's even things I'm finding of my apartment. I'm back in the apartment I was in before and uh, set it all up and it's decorated. The way it was before, and it doesn't feel like me anymore. I it doesn't so. feel like home anymore. It's it's, and I'm not sure what it is that's not um, resonating like it did previously. Mm. Uh, I find that um, I had a fairly low um, level for a, a bullshit tolerance, and it's even lower than it was before. I have a lot of less tolerance for people who, um, in our culture, who are very much consumer driven. Yes. And I've never really been particularly consumer-driven, but I'm more so not than I was before. And I, I find it a bit irritating, um, the sense of entitlement mm -hmm. that our culture has. And uh, that's quite frustrating to deal with, I find, sometimes. The levels of bureaucracy and rule-bound and, and making... Uh, we, we create our own issues. And honestly, no one's dying, for the most part, from what we're dealing with here. Um, mm. They're not issues of life and death, so why are we treating them as such? Yeah. You know what, I, I have something to say to you, that in interviewing and meeting uh, our alumni, which is really my job, mm. is uh, I have found that our alumni, no matter whether they have the Order of Canada or uh, have done well in their businesses and academia or government or whatever, they all are pretty humble human beings. They live within their means, mm -hmm. uh, definitely, and uh, save for, for others. So it's a tradition, I think. It changes <laughs> you, but it, uh, it's, uh, it's something that's happened to a lot of the people. And I think the voyage that it sets you on, Kelly, mm -hmm. is something that uh, the, we'll be thankful for in Canada. And that's why we're so happy to have you back. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird coming back, but it's good to be back. It must have been, because you're very much a do person, I can tell. Yes. Yeah, get, get to places on time. You're a hard worker. You've been working in the federal government for some time. What, what do you do now? Uh, I work for Service Canada as a city facilitator. So I work with communities in British Columbia, helping them address their issues uh, for homelessness. Oh my goodness, isn't today, isn't this week a, a special week in it's, homelessness? It's Homelessness Action Week. Yeah, so I just heard that. Yes. And uh, different communities, Nelson and etc., are doing, uh, having film, trying to collect funds to, to help with housing and all kinds of things. A variety of activities right, right across British Columbia with the communities that we work with on. Homelessness Action Week. So we've hit you at a hard time of the year when you're busy, busy, busy. It's busy, yes. I'm flying up to Prince George tomorrow to participate in their potlatch. And, uh, wow. And do some training the next day. And 
it's we should have you time. Yeah. we should have you take crazy with you take crazy my sister was saying the same thing take crazy so i can't how am i gonna get him on the plane <laughs> i could so get him on the plane it would be awesome to take him up there tomorrow oh my god that yeah. would be amazing um but today you're going to take him to the vancouver um to the museum of um anthropology, the anthropology yes. which is not your average museum no it's beautiful amazing and place and I was just talking to Kwese and hearing about the challenges that, that Karen have faced and I, I immediately thought of the First Nations community and mm -hmm. how long it's taken them to recover from a community that tried to engulf their traditions and make them homogeneous and yeah. make them one of, uh, with that, and lose their culture. So yeah. now they... And it's still an ongoing struggle. It is. Yes. And you yeah. see it every day in your work. Yes. So, you know, all these uh, changes in the world, what do you have to say after two years out there in the field uh, about the Karen, about the people and their struggle? What does Kelly have to say about that? Oh, it's, um, it was such an interesting experience because it's a different perspective that the Karen bring. Um, the people I work with uh, in Thailand they have lived the struggle for their entire lives and their parents' lives and their grandparents' lives. That is the reality. The, you know, it's 60 years. They celebrated, if that's the right word to use. Um, Karen National uh, um, was in January. It was um, celebrating the, the start of the revolution, basically, 60 years ago, last January. Mm. And I found that a sad occasion to celebrate 60 years of war and struggle. And, but it has forged um, a perspective amongst the Koran that, that even those who are planning to resettle have every intention of coming back to Thailand, back to Masad, and continuing the struggle once they have obtained citizenship and opportunity in another country for their children. Because they really are doing it for their kids, they're doing it for the next generation. Mm. And the thought of walking away from that collective fight is something that none of them uh, have been able to do or do easily. Um, okay. And every one of them says they're coming back. And it's, um, it's such a different perspective. They, they, their entire world has been around this war. Wow. It's a whole generation or two of, of this. Um, I went to meet with the Karen in, in Langley. Mm -hmm. And I went to give them a... a talk on settling in Canada and told them my story and I had a suitcase with me and I said you know when I left at 15 my whole world was in this suitcase right and I thought that usually that really rings a bell with young Canadians they look at that thing oh I couldn't put my life in a suitcase like that and then the, a couple of people from the Karen community said but Umida I left with two plastic bags they came here with very, very little, didn't they? Yes, very little. Yeah, and it literally is plastic bags. As you're piling them up, um, with everything they possibly have, and all the families together. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a it's a level of bravery I don't think I've got. They are amazing. And then uh, then they invite Kwesi uh, and myself on Wednesday mm -hmm. to meet with them, and I'm all set to bring a huge meal, and they say no. No, 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 they're going to feed this guy. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they're going to feed him. <laughs> yeah, it was the same. I, I went to visit some migrant workers in Masat. 
Oh, yeah. They're working in a clothing factory, these women. And they had nothing. Um, and living in basically a tin shacks, as far as we have. And uh, the generosity, you walk in the door and they bring out whatever little goodies and, and teas and cookies that they have and they share. And it's insulting to, 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 for, to them if I brought something for them. It's yeah. just like I'm in their home. Yeah. And they're going to treat me as the guest. And it doesn't matter how little they have. That is the culture. I think that's when you come back, Kelly, that's the other thing that comes with you is that, that openness of home and uh, generosity mm-hmm. and, and sharing. That We have a lot of that in Canada, but not, for, not as much as this. It's not as much. It's, it's uh, much more isolating here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did meet a Karen fellow in Massot who um, has resettled to Canada. Yes. And he's living back east, and he would regularly pop back into Massad. He had his wife and child there. And uh, his child has reached school age now, and he's insisting that he, they both immigrate to Canada now so he can have his education in Canada. Mm. But he made the comment that he has been rearing his child from a distance, I'll buy it, but rearing his child with the perspective that don't make friends with the neighborhood kids only make friends with the school children because when you get to Canada you're not going to know your neighbors wow it was such and a that's sad, true such a sad that's commentary true. on our culture it is true it though. is totally true like yes absolutely yeah like you you know when you when I'm sit living here and I hear people talking outside I'm thinking something's wrong instead of mm-hmm. it's just a neighborhood chit chat eh? yes yeah and it is just I was appalled but that he that was his experience of Canada. And he's been here 10 years now. So with our volunteers, over 14,000 volunteers, nearly 30 million service hours overseas, I think we have brought back to Canada more than we have given, I, I feel. We've brought back all these different cultures, a sense of being, a sense of warmth mm-hmm. that I see in our alumni. And you're just another one of those very special people Thank you. that got to serve with a very interesting community. Yeah. Well, it was honestly, I went for purely selfish reasons, and it was, uh, I fulfilled all my personal goals and then came back with all these wonderful benefits and <laughs> hope that I left something as well there with the people I worked with. I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much and have fun You're at the welcome. museum Thank today. You. And in Prince George tomorrow, I wish I was with you. <laughs> I wish you were too. It would be a great time. <laughs> thanks.